Time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar Jar, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey, this is escape. Then where the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh. We got Diego back in the Escape Pod today to chat with us about the next arc in our Clone Wars chronological viewing order. Uh, the Mortis trilogy, a big trilogy in the Clone Wars, probably one of my favorites. And uh, for those of you watching at home, uh, it's uh, numbers 59 through 61 on the list, which is episodes 315, 316, 317, Overlords, Altar of Mortis, and Ghosts of Mortis. So uh, plenty of stuff to get through there, Balance of the Force, whatnot, all this stuff, Prophecy of the Chosen One, it's mind-blowing. Let's chat about it with Diego. landing. All right, we're back. Another Clone Wars part arc and uh, a lot of symbolism, a lot of stuff to get through and uh, uh, we got none other than uh, Diego joining us right here on the show, so uh, welcome back, Diego. Oh, you're cutting out, man. Hello? Hello? Oh, there you, there you are, there you are. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, what a crazy arc. I mean, I, I could not stop writing down notes and, like, info throughout every episode. Like, each, each episode we're going to go through today, guys, I've got at least two to three pages each of just stuff, quotes, things that happen in the episode. I mean, like Josh said, a lot of symbolism, a lot of kind of sneak peeks uh, into the future, and um, a couple uh, a couple good questions asked and answered. Um, so, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. so, yeah. So the first one on our list here is called Overlords. So, um yeah, so yeah, the, the first one on the list is called Overlords, uh, the trilogy episodes, uh, this is kind of where it starts, but uh, actually before we even talk about anything, I want us to listen to a little thing, it's a, it's like a, a a quick George Lucas on the the Force interview, He this is George Lucas talking about the Force, and it's actually a good refresher, maybe just to hear from the source about kind of like things regarding the force that maybe we should kind of know going into this conversation i thought that might be a good idea yeah so how about we do that well let's listen to this what george has to say about the balance of the force and everything um and then we'll kind of go from there sure all right let me play this let me play this interview vader was seduced by the dark side of the force the force and the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. Found in all living things, found as flows from us, uh, controls individuals, yet we have free will. We have a destiny if we want to follow it. We live for a reason and must discover what it is. It looks like it was done when I started episode one. 
Oh, okay. Because it looks like it's referring to episode one. And a lot of this, like this thing about the forest, you know, and all living things that surround us is really just a, uh, a capsule of what was said okay. in uh, episode five. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. The core of the forest. I mean, you got the dark side, the light side. One is selfless, one is selfish. And you want to keep them in balance. What happens when you go to the dark side is it goes out of balance and then you get really selfish and you forget about everybody and you ultimately lead yourself because when you get selfish, you get stuff or you want stuff. Mm -hmm. And when you want stuff and you get stuff, then you get are afraid somebody's going to take it away from you, whether it's a person or a thing or mm -hmm. a, a particular pleasure experience. Mm -hmm. Once you become afraid that somebody's going to take it away from you or you're going to lose it, then you start to become angry, especially if you're losing it. And that anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering, mostly on the part of the person who's selfish, because you spend all your time being afraid of losing everything you've got instead of actually living. Where joy, by giving to other people, you can't think about yourself, and therefore there's no pain. But the pleasure factor of greed and of selfishness mm -hmm. is a short-lived experience. Therefore, you're constantly trying to replenish it. But of course, the more you replenish it, the harder it is to, so you have to keep up in the ante. You're actually afraid of the pain of not having uh -huh. the joy. So that is ultimately the core of the whole dark side, light side of the force. Um, and everything flows from that. Obviously, the Sith are always unhappy because they never get enough of anything they want. Mostly their selfishness centers around power and control. And the struggle is always to be able to let go of all that stuff. And of course, that's the problem with Anakin ultimately is you're allowed to love people but you're not allowed to possess them. And what he did is that he you know, fell in love and then married her and then became jealous. And then he saw in his visions that she was gonna die. He couldn't stand losing her. So in order to not lose her, he made a, a pact with the devil to be able to become all powerful. I am becoming more powerful than any Jedi has ever dreamed of, and I'm doing it for you. But of course, when he did that, she didn't want to have anything to do with him anymore. So he lost her. Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Once you were powerful, being able to bring her back from the dead, well, if I can do that, then I can be emperor of the universe. I can get rid of the emperor. I can do everything. I can make everything the way I want it. And together, you and I can rule the galaxy, make things the way we want them to be. And once you do that, you know, you're, you'll never be satiated. You're always going to be consumed with this driving desire to have more stuff and be afraid that others are going to take it away from you. And of course they are. Because every time you get two Sith together, you have the, the, the master, you have the apprentice, and when, uh, the apprentice is always trying to recruit another apprentice to join with him to kill the master. Luke, you can destroy the Emperor. He has foreseen this. It is your destiny. Join me. Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. And the master knows that he's basically everybody below him wants his job. 
Your heat has made you powerful. Now, fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side. Only way to overcome the dark side is through discipline. The dark side is pleasure, biological, and temporary, and easy to achieve. The light side is joy, everlasting, and difficult to achieve. The great challenge must overcome laziness, give up quick pleasures, and overcome fear, which leads to hate. Amen. Now let us pray. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Okay, so what's kind of the number one thing that you take away from that? Uh, we got George Lucas himself talking about the balance of the Force here. I've played this clip before on the show, but uh, for anyone who didn't see that episode, which I forget which one it was in, um, I think it may have been me talking about uh, the Rise of Skywalker. But um, I think, uh, yeah, just kind of a, just playing that again, uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, uh, for you, Diego, like, what's the one thing that you take away from George Lucas's definition of the balance of the force? That is, he's he's pretty much talking about life there, like, like he's saying, you know, the dark side is, you know, easy, you know, mm -hmm. not the not um, doesn't last as long, and uh, the light side is it takes it takes time, but it's more rewarding in the mm -hmm. end. And he's he's to me that he's talking about life there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, he got pretty deep in that one. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And, and it brings kind of a different perspective too, because like when, when most people watch Star Wars, if I were to ask kind of like other, other people who, who've just seen the, the simple six films and, and uh, ask them kind of to define the, the balance of the force, what, what the balance means uh, to them, like I think a lot of the time, I, I a lot of the time I hear this definition of a gray Jedi, or a dark Jedi, or someone who uh, is you know able to kind of use the the powers of the light and the dark side, and yet still not become a Sith or whatever, right? Like it gets kind of gray when you start talking about uh, all these different ways of of using like the physical powers of the different sides of the Force and all that. But the core kind of you know, the simple core meaning behind the balance of the force is honestly just keeping those two things in check and just really kind of staying in the light side of the force and making sure that the dark side does not overcome, right? Like that is the balance. Mm -hmm. It's not so much of just kind of using both at the same time or, um, or like, you know, uh, taking one and, uh, making sure that it's 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 able to be used in the times where the other one can't be kind of thing right because that that is something i hear quite a bit amongst some fans mm -hmm. uh very good quote to bring up that's in this arc i can't remember what episode but i wrote it down here um <clears throat> basically there's a character uh who will name pretty quick here um but uh he basically says as if one side exists without the other so basically talking about the darkness mm -hmm. and the light i mean yeah he, that was yin and yang right yeah. yeah 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 for sure um yeah, yeah it, like one one doesn't exist without the other typically right exactly. uh, and this is and this is is it's this is not typically uh well i mean it, it's not like 
it's not to be taken super literally as a kind of thing that you can use, right? Like it's uh, it's almost like it's almost like the One Ring. So if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, you'll know that so many people are tempted by the the Ring of Power, and uh, and that this ring is a temptation of of being able to use as a weapon almost, right? And yet, I think uh, it's a misconception. No one can use that Ring of Power except Sauron. And uh, and that is that is where the biggest temptation lies, right? And it's very similar, I think, to uh, the dark side. It's like, yeah, you can do things like Sith lightning, and you know, you can achieve a power that you can't on the light side. But at the same time, the more you use that power, the deeper you dig yourself into a hole that you can't get out of. And and uh, and in actual fact, that that greed and and lust for power is not everlasting it is it is limited and uh and in the end it's only going to bring a downfall right so uh yeah like this is kind of a it's a very deep interesting topic and i think the one thing to keep in mind is the the definition of the balance of the force doesn't necessarily mean um embracing both of them uh the balance of the force is actually uh just uh you know acknowledging that the darkness is going to be there but uh but uh you know being able to stay uh stay true and just kind of stay in the light and there's actually a really good quote from this star wars book that came out last year i believe uh qui-gon jinn uh it's a book called master and apprentice it's by claudia gray and there's a quote in there that i'm just going to read here uh and it's qui-gon jinn talking about the different sides of the force all right so this is what he says it matters which side we choose, even if there will be no more light than darkness, even if there can be no more joy in the galaxy than there is pain. For every action we undertake, for every word we speak, for every life we touch, it matters. I don't turn toward the light because it means someday I'll win some sort of cosmic game. I turn toward it because it is the light. Very wise. <clears throat> yeah and it's just it's just also kind of embracing that uh philosophy of of like there is two sides of the force but uh we you know we we uh we go to the light because it's there mm-hmm. we don't we don't you know choose the darkness because it's it's uh it's gonna win or or you know th- those will all be for selfish gain right and that's, I think, the key is like anything that kind of leads to the dark side, all those paths, um, it's a matter of keeping uh, balance of, of like whether or not to, to take those ropes, right? Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, also the second thing I want to play for you guys here is a little short clip about uh, George Lucas talking about um, the chosen one, because that's another big part of the coin of this trilogy of episodes here. Uh-huh. You got to remember, this is one movie, and it's meant to be seen one through six. So, I think when you watch the actual movie in order, the story will become very clear that Anakin is the chosen one. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the Force. You believe it's this boy? And even when Anakin turns into Darth Vader, he is still the chosen one. The prophecy is that Anakin will bring balance to the Force and destroy the Sith. He becomes Darth Vader. Darth Vader does become the hero. Darth Vader does destroy the Sith, meaning himself and the Emperor. He does it because he is redeemed by his son. 
So, you have accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. So the prophecy is true. And by doing that, he redeems himself and goes from being Darth Vader back to being Anakin again. You were right about me. Tell your sister. You were right. Everybody thought of Darth Vader as this big evil guy that, you know, had no heart. He was just evil. Um, but in the end, it's not that at all. And it, I mean, here's a guy who has lost everything. I mean, he believes that he's the chosen one. He's not doing wrong things knowing that it's having a negative impact. So there's, there's that sort of naivety to him uh, now that, that wasn't there before. And it makes him more human in a lot of ways. All right, that was uh, George Lucas and Hayden Christensen on a featurette that came out around the time of the Revenge of the Sith. And uh, they were talking about the chosen one and, and uh, how Anakin is the chosen one, even, even when he becomes Darth Vader. But uh, what, do you, what do you take away from that after seeing this trilogy of episodes and hearing that as well? It just proves George's point and kind of like when I first saw this arc, uh, I'll be honest, I was kind of like, uh, like at least the first episode when I got the gist of what they were getting, I, I was kind of like, this is how he's going to put the force. Like, this is how he, he's going to put it. But then watching, watching through the episodes, I kind of started to think, okay, well, certain things happen that we know are going to happen. But at the end of it, it's, it happens anyways, because that's Anakin's fate. And he's going to redeem himself, which he does in episode six. So yeah, he does horrible things, killing younglings and like, you know, order 66 and all that stuff. He does horrible things. No, no doubt. Practically kills his wife. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does horrible things, but in the end he redeems himself. I mean, sadly he had, you know, so many years of, of evil doing, but like, that's what had to happen because that was his fate. That was the prophecy of him being the chosen one. So yeah, it kind of sucked, but that's that's how the cards were dealt for him. So yeah, and I think that that we're going to actually talk about that as well amongst these episodes. Just like, was it actually purpose or not that he went to the dark side in the first place? But um, but yeah, should we uh, let's let's actually start diving into these episodes here? So we got sure. our featurette with uh, Dave Filoni uh, on the first episode in the arc, which is called Overlords. Overlords is probably one of the most incredible things we've been asked to do on, on this series. Not in way of effects necessarily, way of animation, visuals, but the story that George laid out for us was something that I think that, that we'd all, as, as Star Wars fans, as, as lovers of mythology, wanted to delve into for a very long time, which was a much more intensive look at the force and, and force wielders and, and how that's used and this whole prophecy of the chosen one and what does that mean? Are you the one? Uh, the one what? I was actually out of the room 
for the first, I think, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of George's pitch of these force wielders. And I remember coming back in the room and the writers were all just kind of wrapped up, like looking at George. And they saw me come in the room and they looked at me and they're like, you got to hear this. And George sat me down and he started explaining to you that these gods and they wield the force, they're much more powerful than any Jedi Knights. And this one turns into a gargoyle and this one can turn into a griffin. <laughs> He's just saying all this stuff. On your knees. And I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty intense. So in the end, you know, Christian Taylor, who wrote it, had a tremendous task on his hands to try and figure out how do I take all these things that George just explained and that we've outlined together. And how, you know, how is he going to put a voice to that? And to his credit, he did an amazing job. Master Qui-Gon, how are you here? I am here because you are here. When, when we first talked about having Qui-Gon appear in this series, uh, and George brought that up and said, Obi-Wan's going to see an apparition of Qui-Gon Jinn, I thought, wow, you know, it would be just incredible. <laughs> to get Liam Neeson to, to come back and do the voice of Qui-Gon. If he is the chosen one, he will discover it here. And if not? Then you must realize with his power, this is a very dangerous place for him to be. And I thought the fans would just go nuts if we could get him back to do it. So I, I went to, you know, the one person in the galaxy that I know could, could make this happen, and I talked to uh, Lynn Hale. Now, if you don't know who Lynn Hale is and you're a big fan of Star Wars, you need to, to do some research and work because she is a tremendous force at the company. She has been here a very long time. Even more so, she was in contact with all the actors from the original movies. Lynn actually came up and watched the footage. And, you know, this is, it's just classic for her. She goes, oh my gosh, we, we have to get him to do this. Not only that, but we have to get Pamela August to play Shmi. And it is not love. It is a prison. So, next thing I know, Lynn's on the phone with Pernella and, and Liam, and she has Pernella August coming back to reprise her role as Shmi Skywalker, which is amazing. And, you know, she sent the footage of Qui-Gon to Liam. And I don't, I don't know if that helped or not. I like to think it did. But uh, he, he decided to come on board and, and do the show. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for that because he just he really didn't have to do that. And I think it speaks to how much he really, you know, enjoyed working on Star Wars. And, and it was such a nice, nice thing to do. And, and the whole time working with him, I mean, Matt Wood and I were just sitting there, you know, and he would say these lines and he'd say the name Obi-Wan. And, I mean, I will admit it. The, the fan inside me was just, I just kind of looked at Matt Wood and I was like, it's, it's Qui-Gon talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I love that. He's just so excited, like, you know, a little kid in a candy store, you know, yeah. Dave Filoni gets Qui-Gon Jinn to do a voiceover and he's like freaking out. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Overlords picks up, uh, the Jedi have received a distress call from over 2000 years old. So this is a really old Jedi distress call. Uh, and they send Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka to investigate. And uh, they're supposed to meet Rex at this point in space. And uh, they end up getting there. And, you know, they're, they're not at the same place at all. They're, they're kind of, you know, at the same coordinates. And nobody's there. And then they get drawn into this big, huge, you know, diamond-shaped planet thing that opens up and sucks them in. And 
it's it's crazy. So I, it's I don't want to diamond recap. shaped Death Star. Yeah, I don't want to recap all these episodes as we go along because otherwise we'll be here for hours. But um, yeah, let's just kind of hit the main points. And uh, you know, assuming that everyone's kind of seen these episodes already, uh, you know, and if not, hopefully you guys can take something away with this. But uh, but yeah, assuming that everyone has seen these episodes, um, like where can where can we start here? I, I guess. Um, the daughter kind of represents the light side of the force. The son represents the dark side of the force. The father is the balance between yeah. them. Yeah. And the Mortis as a planet has seasons that change kind of the, the time and day. So um, there's no animals on this pla- in this place. And the force is extremely strong here. Uh, probably very similar to like the, the cave on Dagobah with the dark side. You know, like a very, like a force infused uh, place. Yeah, that's so. exactly what I wrote down. Actually, um, it reminds me exactly of that scene in episode five. But um, but yeah, I mean, this, like Josh said, I mean, we've got the dark side, the light, and then the father being the balance. Um, couple like key points I want to mention to this. Uh, sorry, I kind of have to read through my chicken scratch here. But um, there, there's a, there's an interesting quote that I picked up. Um, uh, you know, as Dave Filoni said, Anakin's mom, Shmi, um, actually talks to him. Uh, and then, uh, uh, and, and talks, talks to Anakin about his path in life and why his path in life has led him to this place. Now the, the, the place that they're at is, I believe it's called Mortis, uh, mm-hmm. this planet. Um, and so He's talking with his mother, and then uh, by the end of it, he finds out that, yes, it was his mother, but it was someone kind of, or something, some sort of entity uh, kind of manifesting itself through his mother. So it's a way to communicate with him. That was the son uh, uh, who had shapeshifted into what looks like his mother. Yeah. Uh, what which it was supposed to be his mother, but yeah, it was unlike unlike uh, Qui Gon's Jin with uh, unlike Qui Gon's appearance with Obi Wan, which we can assume was was actually uh, a vision in Obi Wan's head, or or at the very least, he was actually there. Um, but uh, you know, we can we as far as Anakin's kind of vision goes, because each one of the Jedi have a vision while they're there. Uh, Ahsoka encounters her future self. Obi Wan encounters his old master, and Anakin has a run in with the sun, which is the dark side of the Force, and and it takes the shape of his mother, who he had uh, such an attachment to when he was a boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and and talks about his life, and she she mentioned something. Well, the dark side mentioned it, but through the manifestation of Anakin's mom, Shmi. Um, he says that Padme isn't his destiny. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we see another interesting one. Like you said, we see Qui-Gon Jinn appear to um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, but we see Ahsoka's future self present uh, herself to the present Ahsoka. Uh, and there was there was an interesting quote that I picked up from there. The future Ahsoka says to the present Ahsoka, seeds of the dark side have been planted in her through her master's teaching, Anakin's. And she says, do you feel it? And kind of what I wanted to get at with that quote is that it's it's, it's got a lot of weight to it because um, we see a lot of the similarities between uh, 
Anakin and Obi-Wan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also a lot of their differences. But in terms of similarities when it comes to Ahsoka and Anakin, there's a lot. And you see there's a couple episodes where Ahsoka does certain things that it's like, oh, wow, like that's kind of, you know, cheat code. And it's just, boom, right to the right to the answer. You get it done quick, fast, rather than going, you know, going the long route, doing it right kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The but, quick and easy and impulsive decision making. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, like that was. I found a lot of a lot of. Uh, I found that to be very relatable in terms of uh, what she's saying there. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, um, I got I got one part um, here where uh, actually it was something that the the daughter said uh, just at the very beginning of the episode where she says, "We guard the power. We are the beginning, the middle, and the end." And yeah. it just kind of foreshadows kind of the, the entire trilogy of of what this trilogy means and what it represents. Because what we are seeing throughout the course of this Mortis trilogy, we are seeing uh, a parallel story that takes place within the six George Lucas films. And we are see- we're seeing that paralleled in this trilogy of episodes here uh, with different symbolism and representation of uh, through different means, right? Yeah. And um, and yet, uh, you know, the different forces come into play, and and of course, the story kind of works out in its own unique way. But uh, the raw kind of basics are there, and I found it interesting that when the son kind of comes and reveals himself to Obi Wan and Ahsoka, immediately he starts asking about Anakin, and he says, "Is it true he's the chosen one?" And Obi Wan and Ahsoka flip out and they like whip out their sabers and they're like you know how do you know of such things you know they're like super confused at the fact that like they're here on this place they don't know where they are they don't know who this guy is and now he's asking about things that he should not even know about like uh, i could see that would be a little little trippy you know Uh, because as far as prophecies go this is one of many that the jedi have and uh and the prophecy of the chosen one specifically you know there's people that believe that it's not even real like even anakin says to the father when he meets the father the chosen one is a myth uh-huh. you know yeah. he, he doesn't even believe it himself that he is the chosen one right and and the father tells him like well we'll we'll figure that out you know uh you'll discover that here and that's also what qui-gon says to obi-wan he says, if he is the chosen one, he'll discover it here. And that's exactly what we see. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the way, so like after that, basically, um, they, uh, what's his name? The father, oh. basically the balance of the force tells Anakin to do a test. And basically, uh, if he finds out the chosen one, if he passes this test, then they're free to leave this planet, right? Because they're going through all these, kind of, they're having, um, I'm not sure if epiphany is the right word, but they're having very spiritual experiences seeing, um, you know, future selves like their, their, their minds are being toyed with. Yeah. The the force is kind of taking them on a bit of a journey here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Actually, I got in a part of Obi-Wan's kind of vision of Qui-Gon. Um, it, it's worth noting. This is his first canonical ghost appearance. Yeah, but um, also he, he's got a brilliant quote here where he says the planet is a conduit in which the entire force of the universe flows. Yeah, so it makes you think it's like, oh, okay, so like if the force of the universe, and we'll discover later on in the show, kind of what that is, what that means exactly. But um, 
mortis is kind of like a funnel point like it's it's a place in which the entire force of the universe is flowing through right so and you see that reflected in the the time of day so when nighttime comes the dark side kind of falls over the whole place and it starts to all the planets start the the plants start to die and wither and everything like that and then uh when it's daytime things are alive and thriving and and uh it's very symbolic yeah very much so um in the same quote uh he says this planet is both an amplifier and a magnet Mm -hmm. so i i'm thinking kind of what he said that like amplifier meaning that to like especially with the dark side in terms of anakin and we see it through the episode but like um that's exactly what happens. Like the dark side is amplified. And in terms of yeah. magnet, uh, not, I'm trying, I'm not really sure where he was going with magnet, but, uh, um, well, I mean the, the, well, I mean, yeah, but it, it's both an amplifier and a magnet. So, I mean the, just in general, like the power here is very concentrated, right? Yeah. So, I mean, not only do you have like characters like the sun representing the dark side and, you know, being almost like a physical embodiment of that and then having the daughter being a physical embodiment of the light side Uh but both both sides of the force are very strong here so um i don't know what exactly that means as far as effects on the on our on our heroes go but um you know it is it is this place is powerful enough with the force that we are able to see um a physical representation of Qui-Gon Jinn who has been long died. And uh, he, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but at this point in time, um, as well, as far as the main films go, like it's evident that you don't see a force ghost of Qui-Gon Jinn. Right. Uh-huh. And uh, there's a big is, deal. Yeah. And it's, a, it is a big deal. And later on in the Clone Wars, you will kind of discover um, how uh, concentrated this place must be in the force to actually bring that embodiment forward. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not just a, a flip of the switch that these force ghosts can just pop up. I know it appears that way in the movies, but it's, it's, uh, it's got some, some deeper uh, lore to it that we'll discover later on in the show. But um, yeah, this place is an amplifier and a magnet. It, it's, it's drawing the entire force of the universe into itself. Uh, it's cycling through this place. And um and it's also amplifying anything in it as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's very strong when when Anakin and Obi Wan kind of sense that when they land on, on the on the ship. But uh, did you notice that the throne room that the father is kind of sitting when Anakin first encounters him, there was a, a a scale behind him and two statues representing the light and the dark on either side of the throne, uh-huh. one being the gargoyle, one being the griffin. But yep. there was like a scale uh, that was built up behind that chair and uh-huh. uh, representing kind of the balance. And then on the wall behind the throne, you see a giant window, and that is kind of the symbol for the balance of the force. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Huh. And, and, uh, and you see those logos kind of pop through the trilogy of episodes. Uh, so jumping forward a little bit in the well of the dark side of the force, you'll see the dark side logo in ground on the floor of the that little island thing that they were standing on around the lava. And then in the in uh, the daughter's uh, tomb, uh, we see the the light side logo engraved on the stone wall entrance and uh, casting a shadow down on her as well. Um, 
like a like a light side kind of yeah so it's it's uh it is interesting it's very interesting we we also see those logos in the uh, arena that Anakin kind of fights the the son and the daughter in as well but mm-hmm. um yeah so i mean and by the way with these with these episodes we're going to be jumping around a little bit just because there's so much to talk about and there's no way to kind of go through it in order here but but they're all connected the, yeah, yeah they're all connected yeah yeah um with that fight scene i i mean so we have Basically, the task that uh, the balance of the force, the father, right, tells Anakin to do is like, okay, so you have both your friends. So I believe it was the light side had um, Obi Wan Kenobi, like, kind of, you know, held hostage there. So it's it's picture like a, it was a, what, a gargoyle, and what was the other one? A phoenix or a griffin? Something? A griffin, yeah, that's right, Gryffindor. Um, <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> But and and the gargoyle has Ahsoka. But interestingly enough, the placement of who got who in that arena is also very connected to a later episode in the same trilogy we're going to go over. But anyways, so uh, basically, the balance of the force. The father says to Anakin, "You know, if you are really the chosen one, um, you have to choose. Like, who are you going to save?" Uh, so he, Anakin, of course, being the person that he is, you know, he, he doesn't want to let go of Ahsoka. That's his apprentice. He doesn't want to forget his master either. So he's, he's conflicted and you can see it in his face. So essentially what happens is he uses a great deal, like a huge display of, of his force ability. I think as in terms of Star Wars, I'd say that this particular episode shows his most powerful display of force of using the force in general, because he tames both the dark side and the light and uh, both the gargoyle who is the dark side and the uh, Gryffindor uh, release Ahsoka and Obi-Wan. So they're free now. And then the balance of the force, the father says to Anakin, uh, only the chosen one could do that. Um, So that just, that's just another thing confirming what Lucas said, you know, Anakin is the chosen one. He does bring balance to the force. So we, and that term bringing balance to the force, it's used and, and symbolized so much in these episodes because Anakin does this sort of thing a couple times. And then he, he eventually does it again uh, in episode six. Right. So um, mm-hmm. it just further confirms the, the whole chosen one, uh, fact that george was talking about in that uh in that little feature right there yeah yeah and uh you know and mortis being this this crazy place is it's uh it was brought up that it's a sanctuary and a prison for these anchorites these force users being the father the son and the daughter yeah and and he mentions the father mentions that they're so powerful that um if the kind of the battle between his son and his daughter kind of got out of hand they could tear the very fabric of their universe yeah. So like the, this is kind of uh, a crazy situational place that uh, that has great effect on the galaxy. Whatever happens in this place uh, is reflected on the galaxy, right? Uh-huh. So um, as the sun kind of it's brought up in the episode, I think in this one that uh, as the the sun kind of gains power in the dark side, so too will uh, the Sith gain strength in in the war. Uh-huh. So. Uh, I find it interesting that this entire episode does parallel the entire Skywalker saga, at least episodes one through six, that is. Yeah. Um, The only movies you should be watching, mind you. (laughs) 
<laughs> this this family uh, this family is very similar to the Skywalker family in the sense that their actions affect the galaxy at large. I mean, if you think about it, the uh, like the entire Anakin turning to the dark side and Luke and Leia and the redemption of Anakin Skywalker and all this stuff, like all this all this drama that happens with this family is literally just kind of like it's affecting everybody uh-huh. it's affecting all of this stuff and that's exactly what these anchorites are like anything that happens there it has some sort of effect on the galaxy as a whole and and that's a huge parallel uh one that i caught at least like by watching these and um too much light or dark uh could undo uh all of what everyone knows in the galaxy um outside of mortis right outside of this realm so yeah um yeah, very this very mythological kind of kind of place but mm-hmm. um but i did find it very interesting that prior to anakin's test he just believed the prophecy was a myth and and after his test uh the father kind of tells him only the chosen one could tame both my son and my daughter uh-huh. um, and it reveals to him that it's his destiny to kind of take the father's place because he's dying and uh and he says that if you it, well, because Anakin doesn't want anything to do with it. He's like, "Well, I'm, I don't want anything to do with this. Like, I'm, I want, I need to get back, right?" He's got a he, like inside his head. He's probably thinking, "Like, I got a wife and everything, right? Like, yeah. I've got my own stuff going on." So, yeah, I've got a um, war to fight. Yeah, I've got a war to fight. I got to lead an army. I got a wife. I got you know. And and the father says, "If you leave, your selfishness will will haunt you and and the galaxy." Uh-huh. And uh, this is very. But also huge, like uh, symbol—it's uh, a symbolic choice that Anakin makes, anyways, to leave. Um, it's a symbolic choice that he gives up his place uh, as a Jedi and as the Chosen One and stuff in Revenge of the Sith to act on his own selfishness to uh, try and save his his uh, uh, his wife from this vision that he had of of dying, right? Uh-huh. In which, if he did nothing at all, she wouldn't have died anyways, and he would have never turned to the dark side. Like it was, it was his kind of, uh, you know, I would say a um, misinterpretation of what the Force was telling him, and he was too fearful to give up his, um, to give up the worry, and uh, he was too fearful of losing Padme that he actually inflicted exactly what happened that he saw. Because he in in trying to prevent it from happening in the first place. <laughs> when it's it's gonna be it's gonna happen anyway. So uh, that's exactly right. I mean, even even uh, the manifestation of the dark side through Smee talking to Anakin in this episode tells him Padme is not your destiny. And in a way, that is very much true. Yes, they're married and they have Luke and Leia. That's cool. But at the end of it, Padme's long gone. Come Return of the Jedi, she's out of the picture, mm-hmm. right? You know, like uh, so like. Anakin's destiny yeah. was to bring balance to the Force. He does it on this planet a couple times, but in his own galaxy, in in terms of Jedi versus Sith and all that, it was ultimately destroying Emperor Palpatine and being redeemed by Luke Skywalker. That was his destiny. Um, yeah, and and that's just it, though. Like like the the future. Uh, we've seen Yoda talk about the future with Ahsoka and that lights in the um, the episode where we had her kind of going through that that kind of journey of her trying to decipher her own um, uh, visions that the Force was giving her about 
uh, about Padme's death from okay. from uh, Aura Singh, right? Uh-huh. And uh, it was it was her kind of exploring more of how to interpret her visions, right? So this is a big thing because the future is not set, the future is not written, and uh, this is also the biggest theme in Terminator. If you've ever seen the Terminator series, you know the the future is not set, right? We we um, what's that quote that that always, they're always throwing around. Um, there is no fate, but what we make, uh-huh. right? So like, even though like in, in Star Wars, there's a lot of talk about destiny and all this and that. And the son knows that Anakin has a potential future uh, as Darth Vader, that he knows this. Like, uh, like they, these three know all, like they, they are kind of these everlasting, um, ever existing kind of beings. Uh, and and they know what's going to happen to Anakin, right? Like they, uh, at least the son does. He he broke. He's he's kind of breaking the laws of time. But mm-hmm. uh, but I yeah, he knows him. what's going to happen. So he kind of takes form of Anakin's mother, who he knows has a great attachment to, uh-huh. and says, "Hey, Padme is not your destiny, bro. Like like your your destiny is much greater than that." Uh-huh. And and uh, you know, and we're supposed to think like, "Oh, this is supposed to happen," but no, it's not supposed to happen. Uh, his, uh, I think his. To me, I think when I hear that, I think, oh, this is him kind of starting to tempt Anakin away from his destiny um, to bring balance, right? And he does go through a hiccup. Like he does get kind of persuaded away from what he's, what he, at the end, like what he's kind of supposed to do. And he does trip and fall, but that doesn't mean that he's lost forever. And just like George said, like even when he turns to the dark side, he's still the chosen one. Uh-huh. Like that doesn't mean. The, the, it, like part of the prophecy doesn't mean that necessarily he's supposed to turn to the dark side. Like, um, but you know, it happens and, and yet um, he still brings the prophecy fulfilled by kind of getting redeemed by his son and, and uh, redeeming himself by, by fulfilling that prophecy. But, um, but it's interesting that when he leaves this place or when he wants to leave this place, it's going to be mirrored upon the galaxy as um, you know, leaving uh you know, the selfishness will haunt him and the rest of the galaxy. This is exactly kind of, you know, what the father is warning him is it would happen if he does leave and, and give up that, um, that purpose. Um, that's exactly what does happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's, you pretty much nailed it on, on the head there. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty much all I got. So let's, l- let's listen to the uh, next episode's uh, feature. It's called altar of mortis. Mortis trilogy. When Christian Taylor, the writer, and I, the writer and I were discussing these stories after George had laid them out, and we were discussing how do we conquer this, and how do we, how do we bring it all together to to make it make sense and still maintain some kind of continuity with the other Star Wars films, with something this supernatural. We, you know, I would just tell Christian, you know, you have to think of it like these are three entire episodes that take place in the tree when Luke is on Dagobah. This is all spiritual. This is all metaphor. This is all symbolic in some way. Ultimately, the dagger of Mortis is really just more of a metaphorical 
the vice. He who wields the blade will be able to control my brother. Difficult thing about the dagger was trying to work out the logic of it, that you have this weapon that can kill these ultra beings, you know. Um, Joel Aaron and I made the blade manifest itself, you know, out of smoke, so that it, it had, it seemed to have some kind of more magical property. I, I always thought it was kind of, you know, a very Wagnerian scene to go down into the, the depths, you know, it's, in, it's surrounded by fire. I can go no further. When you reach the altar, it will give you what you need. If we branch out our discussion from the dagger as a metaphor, then I can tell you the many things in this arc of stories is a metaphor. Everything is symbolic of everything that takes place in all six Star Wars films. All right, perfectly well said there. And uh, I guess you could look at, starting with the dagger, I guess, you could kind of look at the dagger as a... Uh, as a representation of Anakin Skywalker being manifested out of the force, uh, similar to how the blade is manifested out of smoke and everything and being kind of the weapon that can be used to, uh, to destroy the Sith. Right. Um, that is kind of exactly what Anakin Skywalker's role is in, uh, in the end is, is destroying the Sith. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of funny because, um, this is just my thought process on it, but like I was thinking when I was watching the episode, it's funny that the blade of Mortis, essentially this metaphorical thing that can destroy one of these three things, you know, the power, the the darkness, the light, the you know, the father. Um, it's funny how Obi-Wan gets it because the way I looked at it was, okay, Obi-Wan takes Luke under his wing. Luke is kind of the one who brings anakin back right in episode six and anakin of course because he is the chosen one he does destroy emperor palpatine um he does not come back to life you know um even though you might think he does because there's a movie about it but he doesn't just throwing that out there but uh <laughs> anyways um <laughs> yeah so he he does destroy the emperor but i found it funny that it was given to Obi-Wan because we kind of see it in the movies. He kind of teaches what he knows to um, Luke Skywalker. He duels with um, Darth Vader several times. At the end of it, he brings him back to the light. Anakin fulfills his destiny. Um, and we do see that in the episode. Uh, and again, kind of jumping back, but... Um, we do see Anakin kind of fulfill uh, his destiny, metaphorically speaking, on this planet. Although nothing that he's done has reflected on their galaxy just yet, uh, he does kind of do it on this planet. Yeah, so that's it's all where be in the future. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, in the beginning of the episode, there's a vision that Anakin has where uh, he sees the dark side and there's an interesting quote that he said there. He says, I'll never join the dark side willingly. And, and you know, keep in mind this whole conversation, the dark side is persuading him, you know, like uh, 
trying to tell him, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, because the son says he was trying to tempt him and trying to get him to join him, and he says, yeah. uh, "We will destroy the Sith and the Jedi." Yeah. Uh, so it sounds, and when he says "and the Jedi," he sounds like Palpatine when he says that. But um, yeah, like it, it's that was that was kind of a big one as well for me when when I saw that just just like seeing the son try to convince Anakin's like, "Hey, if we team up, we can." We can bring peace. We can do all this. We can do that, right? Uh-huh. Uh, we'll destroy the Sith and the Jedi. There's going to be real balance here, uh-huh. and that's not necessarily the right way to go about it. It's it's uh, like maybe he might be right, but I mean, the sun represents darkness, so there might be some sort of twisted balance going on. But at the same time, you're going to have this overwhelmingly, you know, unleashed other darkness in in uh, in the galaxy, and it's. Uh, it's kind of similar to the way that uh, that Kylo Ren kind of talks to Rey about all this stuff. He's like, "Hey, join me. We'll we'll forget the past. We'll let the past die. We'll buy, we'll destroy the Resistance. Destroy Luke Skywalker, the Jedi, Snoke. Everything you know all goes out the window. Let's start clean. Let's start fresh. Right? It's kind of the same ordeal that the Sun is talking about here, and um, and it's still the wrong way to go about it." But um, it's worth noting that Ryan Johnson, director of episode eight, whether you like it or hate it, um, it's uh, he actually did watch these episodes before uh-huh. he wrote uh, The Last Jedi. Uh-huh. Um, I, I believe it was Dave Filoni that recommended him to watch these. So there's actually a bit of symbolism in The Last Jedi that kind of referenced these three uh, episodes of the trilogy. But um, yeah. Uh, did you find it interesting that when Obi-Wan and Anakin confer about what to do, uh, because because this is where kind of the son takes Ahsoka captive and everything like that, Anakin instinctively just rushes off to go rescue Ahsoka from the dark side, right? And very similar to how Anakin goes seeking, you know, uh, in within the dark side, like he, he goes off seeking help on that end as well when, when he needs help trying to figure out a way to save Padme, right? Uh-huh. He just freaks out and impulsively makes a decision. Uh-huh. Whereas Obi-Wan is like, no, hey, let's let's stop and think about this. We need to we need to confer with the father first, right? Uh-huh. And uh, after Anakin kind of books it and leaves, uh, Obi-Wan kind of turns behind him and it's like they're off in the middle of nowhere. But all of a sudden the temple is like right there and it's like right behind him. So I thought it was a very interesting kind of another metaphorical thing of like, the light is there for those who seek it uh-huh. and, and, uh, and the balance, the light or the balance, whatever you want to call it. Like um, it's there for those who, who seek it out, right? Like it's, it's always going to be there. Yep. There's uh, never, there's never, there's a, like to quote Anakin later on in, um, in the next episode, he says, there is always hope. And, and it's true. Like there's always going to be light no matter where you are. Like, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's also actually something that comes up in that Master and Apprentice book, but um, but basically, you know, whether whether there's there's um, darkness surrounding even one small light, it's still something. There's yeah. still going to be light, and that's exactly why you walk towards it because it is the light. So um, I find it interesting that it presents itself to Obi-Wan when he, when he needs it the most. On the same token though, like this is a time when Anakin is, we're getting closer and closer episode, you know, each episode we watch, we're getting closer to the events of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Right. So, you know, this is at a time where Anakin is starting to, in the show, we're starting to see him, 
he's starting to question things a lot more and we're starting to see his dark side come out more and more and we actually do get a really good glimpse of uh pre vader if you will uh in this not not full-on you know killing younglings vader but like pretty close right um but we we see like this constant theme where he's always he's he's starting to question things a lot more and he does but he does believe himself to be good and he does say things such as you know there's always hope and there's always going to be a glimpse of light but this is a time before he gets completely consumed uh by hatred by his own anger by something he couldn't prevent even though he wanted to he did everything in his power to do so but because it's quite literally impossible he wasn't able to do it um so this is a time before he actually finds out the first part of his of his journey um which was turning over to the dark side um but uh yeah i mean there's just there's a whole lot of references to the whole star wars series here like it just yeah. it jumps back and forth between the movies and the show and there's so many little dots that you can connect uh, but again very um a lot of mythology in this a lot yeah. of symbolism. so much and and i found because we had a bit of a fight at the end there where um where the the daughter gets killed by yeah. sacrificing herself for the for the father and yeah. the son the son uh, has taken his dagger and done that you know and then ran off and everything. And but by the end of it, I mean Ahsoka is basically dead, right? Because the son has just used her to cause conflict between uh, Anakin and Obi Wan just to gain some strength. But mm-hmm. um, you know, Anakin is very upset about the fact that Ahsoka is dead, right? And 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 he's begging the father to who has his dying daughter in his arms to save her. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and. Uh, even the father has says like this old wise man he says uh without any uh light or or hope like you know nothing can be done basically right Uh and and that's when anakin says no there's always hope and and then the daughter kind of looks up at his father and kind of gives him this look and then the father knows what to do and then and then he says well okay well my daughter's last act will be to breathe life into your friend and um he gets anakin to kind of transfer the life essence the life force between one and the other uh-huh. uh, and this is something that now we've seen the in the latest movie as well in the rise of skywalker we've seen how a life force can be transferred from one body to another as well um how leia does that with her son and how ben does it with ray so um just an interesting kind of parallel there too but um i found it interesting enough that the darkness or the dark side kills the light you know and the daughter dies uh-huh. But then the the daughter's last kind of act is to breathe life into Ahsoka, who kind of represents this hope. Uh-huh. And I found it interesting that that kind of also parallels what we see in Revenge of the Sith. Like we see the darkness snuff out the light entirely in that movie. Uh-huh. By the end of the but by the end of the movie, um, even with the death of this primary character, who we've kind of known and loved, being Padme Amidala, gives life to this new hope, which is. Uh, Luke and Leia, and um, it's uh, it's amazing to me that in this time of darkness, um, this this light is still brought into the galaxy uh, by means of uh, of Luke and Leia Skywalker. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, it is. Uh, that's kind of a really cool one that I picked out as well. There, I mean, there's so much, right? There's so much uh, 
symbolism in this, like what Dave was saying. But um, that's pretty much all I kind of got as far as this one goes. Yeah, same. Uh, so uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, uh, yeah, so one one last one last little thing before we go on to the next episode. Um, uh, the, I, I, there was a quote. I can't remember recall who who says. I think it's the dark side, the sun, who says, uh, "The dark side has given strength to the Sith, and the war will escalate." Um, and and it's just funny how everything that they say that these let's let's call them for lack of a better term, let's call them gods, okay? Because well, we the have, force, the force, or the anchorites, yeah. the anchorites. Sorry, sure, sure. So these anchorites, um, the dark side is saying that the Sith will gain power and the war will escalate. And that all this, they, they don't know it yet at this point in time, you know, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka and Anakin, they don't know it just yet, but in the future that's going to come, that's exactly what happens. The war gets worse and worse and worse. It it gets Mm -hmm. to a much bigger degree. Right. And then the, the Sith do gain power, you know, Sidious reveals himself and you know, then there's Darth Vader and Darth Sidious. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah uh, yeah well said yeah it's um that's ex- yeah and that's exactly what happens like as the sun kind of gains power and strength while during this time of them being on mortis uh that's exactly what does happen it's reflected in the war on the galaxy like uh like sidious does end up you know gaining control and winning you know power over the jedi and and um like the, how the sun exactly does, uh, Palpatine's able to manipulate Anakin and turn him to the dark side, just as the sun does. And you know, there's so much kind of uh, representation of how what happens in those six movies um, that happens right here on Mortis in these three episodes. And um, similar to like how Dave said, like this is kind of like the cave on Dagobah and what what it means to Luke Skywalker and seeing the representation of what he could be when he sees his face in Vader's mask, it's not actually what's going to happen. It's, it's a representation of what could be if he ever gave into the dark side, like he could be just as bad as Vader. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, that, that's, that's enough for me. I mean, you know, what we see here on Mortis is a reflection of what will happen, uh, now that we've seen all this kind of come to pass. Uh Yeah. Uh, so, all right. The next one we have on our list here is the final one in this arc, but it's called Ghosts of Mortis. One of the very interesting things in the final episode of Mortis that I know fans would have found very interesting was that um, George was looking for two ancient Sith Lords that could you know, bring some meaning that would be kind of like an uber evil influence guiding the sun. And this was Darth Bane and Darth Revan, um, both of who existed in the EU. So it was, a, it was going to be a big deal to bring these uh, kind of legendary Sith Lords into Clone Wars and thus, you know, into the world of the George Lucas Star Wars um, story. We designed them. They are in the Clone Wars style. We modeled them in the Clone Wars style. uh, And we shot the scene. Uh, 
in the episode. The scene exists, but it never made it into animation. It only existed in layout. I was very apprehensive of this scene, as cool as it was, because of the implication of it, which is that these Sith Lords could separate themselves from the Force and somehow talk to the Sun. That seemed like a big deal. You know, about the time after we had shot it and we sent the reel to George, um, George watches it, you know, and he loved it, it was great. Um, but eventually I got a call from George and he said, you know, I've been really thinking about this and we should take that scene out with the Sith Lords. And as, you know, as disappointing as it was in a way, I guess, because it would have been cool to have those characters appear in Clone Wars, um, it was absolutely the right thing to do because they just can't exist in that form. They can't exist in that way. But I think for fans, it would be neat to know that at least that idea was considered, that we went very far with it, and that in the end, after discussions, it was really George that said, no, this, you know, I thought this would be good, but I wanted to do this, but it doesn't jive with my bigger explanation of the Force. And it gives you an insight to the detail to which he gets into these issues with the Force and these uh, concepts of the bigger spiritual aspect of Star Wars. He's very involved in them. And to be honest, the writers and I feel very strongly um, when we're bringing these type of episodes to screen that, I mean, George has to be more involved than normal because we have to get this stuff right. Of everything we do, you know, we have to get this stuff right because this is the Force. <laughs> this is the whole ball game. Yeah, so a little interesting thing there. When they were uh, putting this episode together, they almost brought in the EU characters, Darth Revan and Darth Bane, um, that had a little talk with the sun. And so for those of you who played Knights of the Old Republic or or are kind of aware of, you know, Darth Revan and Darth Bane, they're, they're huge. Uh, they're big characters. You know, a lot of fans love those characters. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't put it in. But if you are looking for that scene, uh, it does exist. I think they did release it in some of the bonus features for the, the Blu-ray. And if you look it up on YouTube, you can find that deleted scene, uh, which is uh, just animated layout. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of cool. It's interesting to see that they did consider putting that in there. But I think it was actually a good decision that they didn't just because, you know, it, uh, you know, unlike... Uh, <laughs> unlike some film directors i do not believe the sith should uh, be able to come back so um you know big big slap for uh rise of skywalker i've never liked the idea that uh sith can come back it's just not how the force should work uh, according to george lucas so um yeah so i kind of at the beginning of this episode uh, the first thing I picked out was Ahsoka's really adopted a lot of Anakin's mechanical abilities as well, or sorry, mechanic abilities. So you brought this up in the vi in the vision that Ahsoka had of her future self, kind of warning her as long as she maintains uh, studentship of Anakin Skywalker, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, like she's she's not going to see her future if she remains his student. Uh -huh. And that's actually a big one going forward in the show. Um, but um, her future self warns her. It's like, hey, if you remain Anakin Skywalker's student, it's not going to end out well. And um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, she's adopted a lot of traits and things that Anakin has. One of those things is uh, being able to fix the ship, right? Anakin's just like 
sitting there with Obi-Wan chilling and uh, they're letting Ahsoka, you know, fix their ship uh, and he lets her manage the whole thing. I'm sure it would be Anakin in that in that little pit kind of fixing it up and all that. But uh, no, they let her do it. So that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, funny, funny topic kind of jumping back to uh, what uh, what Dave said in his little featurette there. Um I'm I'm glad they didn't bring those characters back because although they are sick, don't get me wrong, they're awesome, but it wouldn't make sense because think about it. If you have past Sith coming back, right, how are you going to have a past Sith who can use the dark side and stuff? But it's like you're having a Sith who can use the dark side explain the dark side to the dark side itself, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's also kind of a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I'm glad that they, it's funny that they mentioned that, but I'm glad they didn't do it. Um, yeah. So, there's an interesting quote in here where I, I can't remember who says, it. I think it's the father or the darkness, but one of them says, Anakin must now face who he really is. Mm. Um, and, and when I, when I heard that, I'm like, uh, because in this episode, it, you know, spoiler alert, uh, for those of who haven't seen it, uh, we do get a glimpse of pre Vader, you know, like I said earlier, not, not killing younglings and all that stuff, but a, a glimpse of it. So mm-hmm. basically later in the episode, Anakin is kind of, uh, seduced by the dark side and he's shown what he shouldn't see. Right. Uh, and the dark, the father mentions later in the episode, how his son mm-hmm. kind of disobeyed and, uh, the, uh, the laws of time uh and in showing anakin his you know uh, inevitable fate like he's go you know he sees padme's death he sees the emperor he sees um obi-wan kenobi say to him uh you are my brother anakin on on mustafar and funny thing enough now that i say mustafar now that i remember um the will of the dark side where Anakin has to travel to, to see back to that quote, I said who he really is. He travels to the site and funny enough, the, this place, this dark side of the force, the, the, the will of the dark side of the force, it looks like Mustafar. It's like, you know, a giant volcano and there's lava everywhere. It's exactly where you know, it turns everything turns yeah. for him you know he's fully- yeah the well the well of the dark side yeah exactly. and ironically enough that's also kind of a, a similar location to where anakin eventually sets up uh the fortress mm-hmm. uh vader's vader's fortress right that we see mm-hmm. in rogue one and the vader immortal vr series mm-hmm. so Good game, uh, yeah it, it's yeah and um <laughs> And uh, you still need to finish that. I but, do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that, yeah. That's a very interesting parallel. It's like the well of the dark side is is uh, representative of Mustafar uh-huh. and the conflict that happens there, and uh, kind of the birth of 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 Darth Vader. And yep. um, you know, just prior to that, Anakin kind of went to the father for advice, and and uh, the father's kind of mourning over the loss of his daughter in the tomb. And he has this really interesting thing that he says. He says, I'm an old fool who believed he could control the future. And this really brings what Anakin tries to do forward. I mean, Anakin tries to, he, he believes that he can control the future by, uh, by acting according to what his vision told him as a complete literal thing that's going to happen. Uh-huh. And it be, he's basing that off of the fact that his mother died having a vision that his mother died right uh-huh. and uh sensing her suffering from 
planets away, uh, he was able to put the pieces together at this point in Revenge of the Sith and think, hey, my wife is going to die if I don't do something about it. Time to do something about it. And uh, and the father, having said, uh, I'm an old fool who believe he could control the future. That's exactly what Anakin thinks he does. When he when he senses that Padme is going to die in childbirth, he thinks she's going to die in childbirth. Uh-huh. When in actual fact, like the, you know, this is not the case. Like, like as Yoda has said before, and I, I, I sound like a broken record going back to that episode of Ahsoka's visions, but he says like the, you know, many possible futures there are. Exactly. You know, there, like there's, there's, it's not like things are set in stone. Right. And, um, and that's, I, I think the father even says that, um, that uh, nothing is set in stone. He says that in this episode uh, when he talks to Anakin after he kind of gives into the into the son's um, uh, proposal. Uh-huh. But um, Qui-Gon says to Anakin prior to him going to this well of the dark side that, um, you know, he asks Qui-Gon like, what should I do? Should I leave or should I stay and kill the son? And Qui-Gon says, neither. Uh, you know, basically just, you'll trust your instincts like you'll you'll know what to do Uh and it's kind of for me i like i don't really know exactly what that's supposed to mean but what i take it is is that qui-gon has so much faith in anakin that he knows even if mistakes are made things will come to pass the way that they're meant to Uh whether that be him turning to the dark side or not he knows that anakin having his role as the chosen one if he stays on his his path uh and uh, you know, then then things will, you know, work the way that the will of the Force intends them to. Yeah. Um, that's always kind of been part of Qui Gon's character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and going um, back to the whole thing, the whole thing about the future, how nothing's setting stone. That's exactly it. That's the beauty of it being the future. I mean, the future. You know, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. But if it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. It's. It basically depends on how yeah. what you want to happen, right? Yeah, and yeah, exactly. If it doesn't have to, that's that's the key because Anakin believes it's just going to, and mm-hmm. he doesn't realize that his actions can actually cause that thing to happen. Yeah, and and uh, that's exactly what we see with Luke Skywalker and Ben Solo. Like when when Luke senses the dark side taking over Ben Solo, he decides to do something about it, and possibly you know for a second of weakness. You know, he thinks, oh, if I kill him right now, he's not going to be this big threat that I sense him to be. And uh, and it's him looming over Ben Solo in that little hut, activating his lightsaber that causes him to wake up and create Kylo Ren. And and because Ben Solo wakes up and he's like, what the heck? My master is just about to kill me. Boom. And and that dark side kind of temptation that he's been struggling with uh, takes hold and um, and uh, he does end up be creating or helping create what he intended to try and snuff out in that moment because uh, of this possible future. Exactly. And uh, yeah, and that's that's I think the biggest thing. Um, and uh, you, you know, it was interesting that you know when the son kind of reveals to Anakin what's what's going to happen, he shows him the gl- glimpse of the future. He calls it a gift. And he shows Anakin his future as Darth Vader. And we see all the flashes of, you know, the Mustafar duel and him killing younglings and Palpatine and and uh, the destruction of Alderaan. And 
him force choking Padme and Darth Vader himself in the mask. Like we see all of that, all these flashes of these things and this cloudy vision of his. And and that's kind of what brings Anakin to the dark side is when he's revealed, he says, I will do such terrible things. And then the son just confirms it. He's like, yes, you will. Like you will, you will do these things and we can stop it if you join with me right now. Right. Uh And then when, when the father confronts him about it, he says, your destiny can change quicker than the love in one's heart can fade. Nothing is set in stone. Yeah. So even he says, he's like, he's like, he's trying to correct what the son intends, because as we know, the son is right. Uh All that stuff does end up happening. Uh But, um, but that's because uh, Anakin gives into his selfishness again and uh, gives into his heart, which uh, the father warns him, beware your heart. Your heart will lead you down the wrong path yep. if, you, if you embrace your selfishness and your, your um, attachments, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, uh, he says, for there to be balanced, you must forget all you have seen. And he taps him on the forehead and he, and he forgets everything. And, and erases his memory. Kind and of a- takes away... Yeah. Yeah. And he says, okay. Men in like, black moment. Yeah. Men in black moment for sure. <laughs> and he says, uh, he says, now we will never know. And yeah. he, and he kind of leaves it up to, to Anakin now. He's like, okay, we will never know what happens now. And it's up to you. But, you know, essentially, like, you know, you, you are the chosen one. Like, this is your role to play. Mm-hmm. And, um, the sun is right. It does happen. But again, yeah. that's, that's because of Anakin's own doing, his own yeah, selfishness. Yeah, exactly. It's not that it's written in stone to happen. It was, exactly. a possi- it was a possible future that the sun showed Anakin in that moment. But mm. Anakin is the one who made that future happen. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not exactly sub- – it's at that time and place, it's not like it was bound to happen. It yeah. was – it's I think to me, at least this is my own personal opinion on this, but um, to me, I believe that if things went differently, if Anakin didn't do what he did, um, his role would still be fulfilled like it like he ends up doing in the end. But it would have been without all the the riffraff, all the all the, you know, all the dark side taking over and all this and that. And mind you, his actions on Mortis have uh, made those those events kind of more uh, apparent to happen because because their time on the in this place uh, eventually does bring things to pass in the way that they happen Uh so yeah in part as they spend more time on in this place they're bound to affect future events more likely i guess and they spend a long time at at this place right so um... yeah at least we're meant to kind of assume that it's a long time uh-huh. but i guess when, when it's revealed that when this episode's over like it's revealed that they were only gone for like a blip uh-huh. and and rex is rex on the hologram he's like yeah sorry sir the, the hologram caught out for a second there uh, uh-huh. and you know then all of a sudden they're in the right place again and so it yeah. makes you think it's like oh yeah it's kind of like luke in that cave walking in he had this whole vision of him fighting vader uh-huh. but in actual fact that whole thing might have been like a second or two uh-huh. and then then he walks out of the cave fully fine and you know um as if nothing ever happened but uh-huh. um so it's yeah i don't think some people theorize that this is supposed to be a dream sequence but um i actually like to think that it, it is a literal place and uh in in one of the canon books it was called the galaxy map of the galaxy or something like that some star wars map book um they did include mortis on in that galaxy map 
and uh, they have a whole two-page map of like the actual mortis places that they went on on mortis and all that stuff so i I, i'm pretty sure this is is a physical place this is something that uh all those characters kind of did and endured together and um um, that this actually did happen but um we see something very interesting at the very end of the episode i don't know if you kind of wrote this down but um that even though the sun had we see this reflected a few times the sun kills his sister uh-huh. but freaks out when he does it as if he did even though they're they're always fighting and everything like he was very upset that he did this uh-huh. like, even though it was an accident like he intended to kill a father but 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 it killed the sister instead or the daughter and uh and now he's been very upset he's torn but you know he he says when he looms over her grave that she was the only person that he truly loved and uh-huh. at the very end of the episode when Anakin does kill the son because the father sacrifices himself so that the dark side can be, you know, destroyed and, uh, or the, the sun can be destroyed and balance can be brought again. Uh, this is also symbolic of Vader sacrificing himself to fulfill his, his prophecy of, of, you know, you know, he, he, not only did he save his own son, but he, uh, you know, Brought balance destroyed, to the force. Yeah, he brought balance to the force and uh-huh. and uh, destroyed the Sith and all that. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, I found it interesting that even though in those last moments it's revealed that the sun, there was still love and good in the sun's heart after all. Uh-huh. Because when the father kills himself, the son is all instantly, you know, he's like, it did not have to be this way. Like he's he's upset that his father just destroyed, you know, he just stabbed himself because... Um, even though he's twisted and evil and everything like that, he realizes in that moment that um, he does l- love his father and he does care about his father. Uh-huh. And it's it's like it's shown in Anakin as well. In that moment of watching his son die, he realizes that there is love in his heart. There is good in his heart. And uh-huh. he gives up um, his power and sacrifices himself to save that. And that's exactly what we're watching here in the last few moments of this episode uh, with this moment uh, of the son and the father and all this stuff. It's all very represented um, quite clearly with that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think I think we've we've gone over uh, all of them back and forth so many times. But yeah, like basically like very consistent, both our notes, because pretty much everything you're saying or that I'm saying, we've both written down at the same time. Uh, so I'm kind of like, uh, I'm kind of, um, you're, you're, you, you got everything covered. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Oh, wait, 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 wait. Um, one last thing. So Anakin kills the dark side, symbolizing the, or sorry, kills the sun, symbolizing the dark side, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, it's funny how the father says, stay, stay on this path and you will bring balance to the force again. Yeah. yeah, Right. Yeah. He says, you are the chosen one. Stay on this path and you will do it again for the galaxy, but Uh beware your heart. Yeah. And he hints away at Padme, but of course his memory has been erased at this time, right? He saw the inevitable, right? He saw his destiny, but the, the, uh, you know the the father says we have to erase this right because he broke the son broke the laws of time so um again you know classic dark side 
cheat code. Let's just do it quick and easy, you know, get the answer right away. But he left it up to Anakin, right? And Anakin, you know, eventually does do what he does, but um, he, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to like listen because he he has all the answers right in front of him. Like, beware of your heart, and he hears all these things. But it's almost like with Anakin, yeah. he's he's such an important character. But his his character, I find that it has so much in one out the other. You know, like he he'll hear it, he'll listen to the to the advice sometimes. But sometimes when it's like really critical, like uh, he still just does what he wants to do exactly, and he just wings yeah. it right. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting too. Like when he says, beware your heart, like I think the father knows what, what's going on in Anakin's heart, right? He knows what's, what's in his heart, what's in his head. And he knows that if Anakin does follow his heart, his attachments, his, his possession to, um, you know, Padme and to just to, just to people in general, I think, cause Anakin is a very attached person, right? Um, it is uh it is going to take him down the path that is uh definitely least desirable mm-hmm. um and and not not the intended path that he was kind of made to take but um that's that's i guess part of the journey as well that that we see him kind of go through that anyways and yeah. kind of see like what what that in terms of consequences like what that means yeah. So uh, it's, but again, like there's always a, there's always light still, and like there's always going to be a new, there's always going to be hope. Yeah. And so even though we do see this terrible thing happen to this critical um, hero, and and now even more importantly that that we've seen the role that he has to play, uh, kind of fall to the dark side, and we think to ourselves like, man, like how can this could have happened? Like like how did this? Like, how could he let this happen to himself? And how mm-hmm. could anybody let this happen to him? And, and it just makes you think, though, like when you think that there is just no hope left for him, there is still hope because that is, that is Luke Skywalker. He is the, the key to bringing that, that uh, last bit of um, goodness out of, uh, of his father. Yeah. In, in the same way that, uh, that nobody except uh, the son's um uh family uh did for him as well mm-hmm. you know we think like oh this this guy is intent on leaving and wreaking havoc in the galaxy and yet he still got some some love in his heart but we only see that at the very end when when um when he uh when the father makes the sacrifice that he does mm-hmm. so yeah, it's just it's kind of crazy. Like everything in this trilogy of episodes, it's got so much meaning, and I mean, there's there's constant you know imagery going on all over the place in so many different moments. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much like what I have to to say about those three. Yeah, same but, here. Uh, we also got like the first the first of official disappearance effect of the Force Ghost. You know, like the father transform transcends into the force after death mm-hmm. and we see exactly what happens to obi-wan kenobi when he dies as well mm-hmm. where when his when his body just disappears and there's nothing but his clothes left it's a very uh symbolic uh not only just uh kind of what does eventually happen to anakin even though we do see his body burning and, and stuff after his death like we do see him take shape in the form of a force ghost 
But I mean, we see this happen with Yoda. We see this happen with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh Um, And um, this only kind of happens to very few people, it seems. Um, It's it's not everybody that kind of turns into a force ghost. Uh So it's a gift. It's it's definitely a gift uh, given upon uh, by the wills. Yeah. Like very select few uh, that get that opportunity to to yeah. kind of live, live beyond and, this life. Yeah, and they do seem to be. Oh, and Luke Skywalker, of course. But yeah, uh, but they do seem to be people that evolve around Anakin's life. Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah. because he's the main he's the main uh, uh, what's the word protagonist, right? Um, yeah. But that's the beauty of his character. You know, we get to see his whole story we get to see him as a boy we get to see his you know his dedication his determination uh you know his craftiness we get to see him build his skills we get to see him start a war fight this war we get to see his downfall we get to see him kind of fall off the horse if you will and then Mm -hmm. we get to see him pick pick himself back up it it takes him you know almost 30 some years but uh but you know it at the end of it uh, sadly it took his life at the same time but he does do what he was meant to do right mm-hmm. and he didn't fully understand what his purpose uh in life was until the very end but eventually he figured it out and that's kind of relatable to yeah. to everyone right because you know by the time we all die it's kind of like okay we kind of figure out what we're supposed to do but perhaps at a younger age we don't know right so it's, it's, yeah, it's very very relatable yeah, it brings his story kind of full circle, and uh, yeah, and really kind of, um, especially if you do watch the Clone Wars, and 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 like you're seeing his progression and uh, the different sides that he has. Uh, yeah, we start when he's a boy, and and uh, a very different character, almost being this innocent kind of happy slave boy, uh-huh. and uh, and just see the progression of his character dealing with loss and how he deals with loss, hating sand. And then, uh, yeah, and <laughs> and uh, and also kind of simultaneously discovering what love is, and uh, and then his uh, quest for greater power to protect that and what he has, and being afraid to lose what he has, uh-huh. and and those paths kind of leading him down the darker path of of uh, you know possession and greed, and uh, you know journeying through the dark side of the forest, and just seeing that downfall is exactly like what you said. Uh-huh. And then, and then seeing kind of uh, what it means to um, also just be redeemed by uh, by some form of hope, whatever that form is. And in this case, it would be the form of his son, uh-huh. uh, which, uh, mind you, is a uh, product of Anakin's love. Yep. So, uh, yeah, like it, it is, it is the hero's journey, and and it's like as you watch kind of the Skywalker saga, like you see that story kind of be uh filled as a to completion and the clone wars adds so much more to his character and and uh also adding in his relationship with the uh, with ahsoka and with obi-wan kenobi just you get so much more depth to that uh purpose and everything that he's got in his life so uh-huh. um yeah i don't know i mean uh i guess like i mean there's so much so much in these episodes to talk about but um I guess we kind of like that's that's pretty much all the notes that I had down at least. Same here. Uh, I mean this 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 episode this arc is one that you have to watch for your, for yourself. Like like you were saying at the beginning of this podcast, like you, if there's one show 
if sorry, if there's one arc in this entire show, the Clone Wars, that you have to watch, it should be this one because it, it gives a whole, it, it gives a, a bigger, it kind of paints the picture a little clearer. It kind of gives you that vision that George had for the character of Anakin Skywalker, right? And like, like we see. And it's just funny his 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 style of of how the movies came out. You know, we get four, five, six, which is now four, five, six, and then we get one, two, three. But it's almost kind of like, you know, he tells he tells the ending first, and then he tells the beginning. But then it, the way that he's connecting all the dots, especially through this show, like this show connects so many questions is has connected so many questions that i've had and i there's still more and i know there's still more answers to come but like uh this one has a lot of good uh kind of like it shows you a lot that that's going to happen and just how relatable it is to life itself you know in in real life and to the movies and the show it's 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 i can't i can't even describe i have no words to describe how how good um george's kind of um uh what's the word like how 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 he put this into the show i i can't describe how oh yeah like how he kind of translated his ideas of yeah. the force into this story yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah, that's a, there's a big credit uh towards the writer of this of uh like dave already mentioned the writer of these episodes uh, mm-hmm. i think in his featurettes but then uh you know also just big credit to dave filoni and and his writing team for kind of taking what george had in mind and then actually putting it into context right like putting it into the context of the show and uh writing these these amazing lines like there's so many lines in this in this trilogy of episodes that are just so good yeah like there's there's so many quotes that are like wow like that's heavy you know that relates so much to to anakin's character that relates so much to the movies i mean like josh said like if there's one arc you gotta watch it has to be this one like it's 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 really good yeah really yeah for sure yeah all right. Well, uh, I mean, we we got we got some more episodes towards the end of the Clone Wars, which we can actually kind of dive back into all this Force related material. Um, but uh, you know, is, I guess is there anything that you want to finish off with? Um. Oh yeah. You know what? There's actually something that I meant to bring up this at the beginning of this podcast, but I didn't it was from one of our last shows i have to i have to find oh, it. oh yeah okay yeah, it's, it's a good time to do that now yeah yeah i have to uh sorry you'll have to bear with me here um i do remember you talking about this like almost like right after we finished the recording uh you, you mentioned that there was there was something yeah okay bear with me here i'm just kind of going back through my pages uh yeah so the last the very last episode in the last arc of the last podcast episode we did was uh, <laughs> called Witches of the Mist. And there was one note um, because kind of, you know, press the rewind button here, guys. But um, we go back to uh, a time where, uh, you know, we learn about Savage Opress and we learn about how Darth Maul is going to come back into the show. At what point? I don't know just yet. But, um, you know, I wanted to bring up a note that I that I brought down. You know, Darth Maul, uh, like Dave... Dave Filoni mentioned in in one of those featurettes from that arc. Um, you know, he was such a loved character, right? And, and like fans, like me personally, like I loved Darth, I loved and loved Darth Maul very much so. But I feel 
that we were kind of robbed. Because, yeah, we get episode one, Phantom Man is cool, but he gets cut in half and it's kind of like before the Clone Wars, it was, and, and you know, Solo and all that stuff, it was kind of like, that's it. Darth Maul, see it in and out, right? Uh, very good character, you know, extremely skilled, like uh, an amazing Sith, right? But like, I think that his return, I at least in my case, I'm more willing to see his return because we got so little of him that it's, it, to me, it's kind of justifiable why they're going to bring him back. Again, we're not there yet, so I don't know how he's going to come back, um, but I'd be willing to accept that more than in terms of Emperor Palpatine because Emperor Palpatine yeah. is in every single movie, right? He's yeah. he's he's a such a, you know, concrete character like he he's he's so crucial to the whole story like he's he's the mastermind of it all and you know we could spend hours talking about palpatine but Mm -hmm. but basically like palpatine like he's you know fitting end he had a fitting end and you know he was he was thrown off um by vader in episode six and and that was it like that was fine but you know then we have the abortion trilogies and not so much but um yeah so uh, like for me seeing Darth Maul return is a big deal. And I, I'm, I'm more excited to see that than in terms of seeing Palpatine, you know, he, he's, 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 he's had his run, you know, he's had his, he's had his, his time in the spotlight for a long time. Right. He's, you know, every single movie. Right. Um, but like, uh, you know, except kind of seven and eight, but, again abortion trilogies so the the, yeah. the 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 whole palpatine resurrection thing that was never supposed to happen exactly like the, so like the, the the plan was never to bring it back in fact you know the leaked script that colin trevorrow kind of has out online you know and it, it intends that there was a there was a whole different plan in place to make kylo ren kind of the ultimate villain but um but which is so much better of an idea like i, I don't know why bringing back palpatine was such a brilliant idea like it wasn't it was such a a do-over again you know oh, yeah. like another, it was just another big star killer base oh yeah death star 3 kind of thing right like it was another just rehash of what we got before which was palpatine coming back trying to recruit you know somebody uh, and uh, you know tempting them with being like hey kill me now and you know strike me down and all that stuff it's like, everything we've, we've seen before. all that yeah you know, we already have all that stuff yeah, like i yeah. don't i don't know what purpose this serves and i don't want to say it diminishes anakin's um purpose because he still would have you know he still gave up his life for his son right like that is it doesn't diminish that at all but it does kind of diminish the fact that he did destroy the sith and now the sith have returned like it's like it's like okay i know the prophecy doesn't really mention you know the the you know the destruction of the sith so to say i guess but at the same time it's like he just he did he, he did yeah. kill himself and like and like george lucas says it in that little feature right at the very beginning it's like you know he he fulfilled his prophecy by destroying the sith which was both himself and and palpatine through uh means of sacrifice yeah. and um yeah I, and i think it's just kind of it blows that the fact that they just brought palpatine back it's like why and and i, I it just really bothers me a lot so same here I, as far as like it's the whole sequel trilogy goes like, yeah, like I think a lot of people do want to abort that from their like viewing order half the time, just because like, you know, and then there's some people that love it and like, and, like you know, it's, that's, that's their own, that's, that's your own opinion. Like if you, if you do love it, then 
then that's great. You know, it's awesome. But I mean, per, just personally, like my own, uh, my own feelings on that trilogy, it just kind of hurts to, to watch them sometimes just because I know that they are just movies that George Lucas never would have done. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I know that George probably looks at them hurting as well, just thinking to himself, Hey, like this is the story that I was telling and now it's gone in a completely different direction. And, uh, this Clone Wars trilogy of episodes was done long before any of the sequel movies were even in the picture. Uh-huh. Like this is, we're talking about season three of Star Wars, the Clone Wars. That was like, I want to say that was like 2010 uh-huh. or so. Yeah. And uh, this is kind of like, yeah. So it's, it's a couple of years before he even, you know, before he sold the company or 2009 or something, uh-huh. whenever this episode aired, it was like 2009 or 2010. But, uh-huh. um, yeah, like I, I don't, you know, I, I think to myself like, man, like there's so much connective tissue between the clone wars and the george saga it's because they all came out of george's head whereas like when i watch those sequel films i just don't get that same connective tissue i get more of a sense of a fan film that was kind of done as inspiration of the star wars saga as a whole pretty much like there's no there's no way to connect the dots i mean like and the whole with you know the whole thing about ray being uh you know palpatine's granddaughter and just uh, there's just it's, with those three films like my biggest problem was is that you know a you can't really connect the dots to the m- previous six masterpieces we have right so that's a huge problem second i mean how it, like if if there's no connecting the dots they're just like you said they're fan films that just with a extremely high dollar budget right like it's disney we're talking about they have so much money and there's they just smash that nostalgia button every single episode right Mm -hmm. um you know like i I think particularly the most probably with episode seven just because that was a rehash of episode four Mm -hmm. i don't care what you say 100 percent, but uh but anyways i mean like they just they just want to reduce reuse and recycle the same thing and like had they had maybe stuck with uh lucas's plot maybe i would have liked them even more than the originals who knows but because that never happened we'll never know so again i feel robbed of that but in terms of you know like palpatine he had his time he's done let him be dead but bringing him back i mean like why not why not you know go into detail about like about like you know characters like darth maul or why not if you're going to do something new, at least make it good. Right. But they, well, they, they did their own thing as Disney does. Right. So yes. And, and so like now that we're kind of on the topic of the sequel trilogy, there is, uh, I think we did talk about the Colin Trevorrow script before, uh-huh. but, uh, in his original, cause Colin Trevorrow, for those of you who are listening and don't know this, uh, Colin Trevorrow was the original director for episode nine. And, uh, and then his script was turned down and, and he ended up, you know, they ended up kind of going their own way and they brought JJ Abrams back to, to redo the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, his final kind of drafts of the script did include Mortis. And yeah. um, it included um, Ray and Kylo Ren fighting out one final duel, uh, a duel of fates, um, which is the title of the film at the time, uh, on, on Mortis. And uh, I'm just going to try and bring something up here. There is a concept artwork of of Ray and Kylo Ren actually fighting on Mortis, and you can actually find this con- concept art uh, online. It's been leaked out. Uh, I don't know; it might even be in the 
um, the Rise of Skywalker kind of concept art book that you can actually buy. I think it's now, but uh, there is an image of of Ray and and Vader, uh, sorry, Ray and uh, uh, Kylo Ren kind of dueling it out on. Yeah, on I was gonna say she's Vader. not gonna last in that fight at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, yeah. Ray, Ray, and uh, Kylo's final conflict happens on Mortis, which was uh, you know which has a lot to do with kind of the trilogy of episodes that we've seen. So it is uh, very much in context, actually talking about this um, in this, in this episode of Clone Wars talk, because uh, this is kind of an interesting connection in a trilogy of, of films that have very little connection with the previous six George films. It would have been amazing to see a, a connection to the Clone Wars. I mean, that would have been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually, to me, that would have actually brought it, almost like full circle if you if you ask me like i think like if if the story kind of led in that direction it would have brought a whole lot more substance to those sequel trilogies because it would have put it into the context of george's storytelling Uh yeah and and what we got was something completely the opposite it was it ended up you know just getting another this and that another this and that but um, but yeah, like if if we brought in a lot of those original ideas that are supposed to be about you know what George had in mind for the Force and you know especially including Mortis and stuff in this story, uh, that would have really brought it round circle. And also just to see Mortis in live action, that would have been sick. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that would be really cool. Like if they if they did, and I mean anything in in close. Uh, you know, close boundaries to, you know, the original six, like it would have been so much better. Right. But I mean, how much of an, <clears throat> I feel bad for George, right. Because, you know, Star Wars, he, he, he has a video out there. He does this interview where he says like, uh, he's, he's, he's obviously referencing the, the entirety of Star Wars. He's saying, you know, when you break up with someone, you don't text them, you don't call them, you don't check up on them. You don't make sure you see what they're doing. And he's right. He's absolutely right. You know, you're, we're done. We're done. See ya, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, it must hurt like deep down you seeing, you know, the abortions that Disney has put out and, and that, you know, like this was his baby once upon a time, he sold it for, you know, I think that the number is 4 billion, which I think is a slap in the face if you ask me, but, um, like, I mean, and and the worst part about it is my biggest problem out of all of it is they had the scripts. Well, not not a not scripts, but they had a, a general outline. They had a general vision, and they had that vision, and they could have, you know, went with it and made something out of it. Maybe put their own little Disney spice on it, whatever. But no, they just went see ya, and they just went, you know, they just went directly for the ATM. That's what they did, right? Uh, and you know what that. Disney is the dark side. New conspiracy theory on this episode, uh, March or April fourth, twenty twenty, on Star Wars Escape Pod. Disney is the freaking dark side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of fans feeling you uh, feeling there. Yeah, um, but I mean, you know, it's a torn community, and you know, yeah. I like, and, and that's the thing. Like, I'm always keeping in mind the fact that there are Star Wars fans that do love these movies. Personally, I will never know why, and like I can, I can feel, I can feel though because like there's, there's older Star Wars fans, like older in age than 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 we are, uh-huh. that hate the prequels, right? And it's like I don't personally, I don't get it because the story is is just it's out of the maker's head, it's out of George's head, right? Uh-huh. So I mean, 
obviously it's all within context and everything like that. All the complaints that I hear about the prequels are kind of, I you know they're they're not they're not story uh, complaints. They're they're like acting complaints and uh, character complaints, like like Jar Jar and whatever else. And uh, they're they're complaints about like nitty itty, you know picky little things uh-huh. so it's like it's like saying like oh i don't i don't like the sequels because i hate babu frick and i and i i, I don't like uh i don't like rose and and whatever like like it's like it's not really fair of me to say that it's it's uh like that's just a personal thing like the movie as a whole though story-wise serves its purpose and um and I, that's the thing that i think drives me crazy about about the sequels just personally it's like i don't think they serve a purpose at all no <laughs> as far as no. as far as a, a skywalker saga goes they really serve no purpose it's like when you watch those they're just so disconnected that it's like yeah they might be enjoyable star wars movies but to me they don't feel like star wars and to me uh they just they just don't connect with anything they're they're like its own thing going on you know and that's where like rogue one and solo are are such great star wars movies and the mandalorian is such great a great star wars show because they don't exactly have that core kind of story about it that is trying to tell this story about the skywalker family Uh and that's and that's its biggest downfall in the sequels is that the story doesn't ring true with the skywalker family as much as it could be uh-huh. And uh, and and you know and, and Rogue One a solo ach- ach- uh, achieved um, what they were intended to do as being a spinoff movie, but set within the Star Wars universe, it works. You know, and and the Mandalorian, it works. It's like if we had the sequels um, given to us as part of like a spinoff trilogy without bearing the episodic titles of seven, eight, and nine, I think it would bother me a lot less. And I and I think in terms of storytelling. Uh, the the choices that they made to bring Palpatine back and whatnot uh, would have also been different in the first place. But um, but if they kind of took that mentality of going like, hey, what if we tell a story about this girl years in the future who kind of has the Force and now there's this new kind of evil in the galaxy that's rising up and like, what do we do with that, right? And it's like, I feel like not only the story choices would have been a little different, but um, the weight of having this legacy to carry on would have been a lot less. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and their biggest downfall in my in my opinion with that is they attach the Skywalker name to every movie, right? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, like like you said, it, because it tries to put it in that context that doesn't exist in those movies. Exactly, it doesn't exist. It's many years since past, right? And it's like there's just it doesn't connect to the story at all. Right. Yeah. The only thing that connects to them is oh the association. So like my mm-hmm. name's Luke Skywalker. I'm teaching Ray or whatever, and my name's Emperor mm-hmm. Palpatine. I'm a clone, whatever, and I have my own crowd full yeah. of a bunch of me's. But um, I mean, it's it, it, it. Other than that, there is no, there's no like context. There's no actual meaning behind it. It's just them cashing it's in. just its own it's its own existent trilogy yeah exactly. and it doesn't really have much to do with the and and like that's why that's why i think this last movie it was them trying to dig themselves out of a hole a little bit which is why we get all these kind of references and and kind of post tribute kind of you know in film things that happen which is like oh that's paying tribute to that and this and that and it's like yeah we get a little voiceover from Hayden Christensen and and uh, I mean, big whoop and, like show and, me a showed me a show me a force ghost of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, exactly, if you really exactly. if you really want me to, to to love that movie, 
put a force ghost in there. That's what yeah, it's it's like put you know? yeah, like put put something in there that kind of gives that context of like yeah, this is the Skywalker saga. Like, look, these are the same force ghosts that we saw when Luke was looking over at uh, at them on Endor, right? Like, let's let's see something in the new edition. That would be, yeah, yeah. Well, even in the old edition, we still got Yoda and Obi Wan, and not once did we see a Force ghost for Obi Wan in this trilogy. Like, yeah. um, like, I, like, I don't, I don't understand kind of half the decisions that they made with this. I know that they're trying to tell a certain narrative, but this narrative has nothing to do with the last six films. Yeah, and um, and and that's I think that's why I love the Clone Wars so much because not only does it take place within this narrative, but it's expanding upon the narrative that we already know and love. And it answers so, so many important questions within the best, you know, the best Star Wars, the original six. It answers all the questions we want to know. Sifo Dyas, why does he turn into the dark side? All this other stuff. Where's Darth Maul? Like all that stuff. So yeah, exactly, that, all this stuff. Yeah, all that is. Just, it's just so much better. So again, it, guys, if you haven't watched the show, I don't know what you're doing with your life, especially on quarantine. But you need to get <laughs> on Disney Plus. You know you already have it, so click on there and watch the show. You know, so. yeah, watch the Clone Wars. It's a great show, and. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, you know, and again, like we're not exactly like almost everything that we say today, unless it's out of the clips that you hear with Dave Filoni and George Lucas, don't take it as fact. It's a lot of our own personal opinion, a yeah. lot of uh, speculation. Uh, you know, you have a right to kind of like and love whatever you want in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're all fans in our own sense. We all have our own opinions about stuff being very contrasted about things. That's kind of been the history of Star Wars going back all the way to uh empire strikes back you know people loved it people hated it so uh this is just kind of a traditional but <laughs> yeah and that's just uh, that, it. everyone's gonna interpret it however they want and that's the beauty of it right but uh you know yeah, i mean it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people yeah and that's exactly yeah. it. you can look at it however you want but uh at the end yeah, of the day so, you know, yeah. at the end of the day we're right you're wrong shut up <laughs> no no in all seriousness no i'm just kidding, kidding. i'm just kidding he's, he's kidding he's yeah. kidding uh, <laughs> he's kidding but um but yeah i mean you know that, that's just that's just the way it is like like you know if you if you love the sequels then we're we're just ripping it apart for you i apologize but um, no not really but, not yeah. for me <laughs> he's he's not as sorry but i mean you know it is it's just what we do like you know yeah. it, it this goes all the way back for for a very long time people have kind of had their very contrasted opinion about it and it yeah. doesn't mean that we hold it against anybody whatsoever everyone's entitled to their own opinion so yeah. uh yeah so i'm gonna leave it there uh but yeah i uh, just um i don't know I, I mean do you have any last few things to say are you gonna sign off here no i think we're ready to sign off i mean thank as as always guys thanks for tuning in uh stay tuned for the next episode again any questions comments concerns any ideas any you want to talk to us send us an email you know tweet us whatever we'll more than happy to to, to you know talk so please do so and um yeah stay safe and same as always wash your hands and listen to the podcast. <laughs> All right, see you, man. Yeah, take it easy, man. All right, what a crazy arc of episodes. That was, uh, that is one of my favorite arcs throughout the entire Star Wars The Clone Wars show. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it's just, I know it meant a lot to George Lucas to do as well. Uh, when he brought the idea up to Dave Filoni, like, it's, it's a crazy out there story. And, I mean, this is the guy who made Star Wars. Like, you know, when when things get this this down to earth and real, and 
you know, like Dave said, like once you start getting into things like the force and stuff, you just got to do it right. And, um, and, and, you know, what better man to kind of give the outline to the story than George Lucas, right? So, um, that's, that's kind of my take on, on this trilogy of episodes. One of, one of the best, um, and is probably one of my favorite stories just told amongst the Star Wars saga as a whole in general. But, uh, yeah, so we got a really cool arc coming up, uh, the Citadel arc. Um, that'll be, we're getting close to the end of season three now. So, uh, if you're with us, staying with us at home, that's, that's awesome. You can, uh, follow us along through the description boxes once again. Um, hate to sound like a broken record here, but, uh, you know, leave those five star reviews, uh, share this podcast with a friend that would help us out a lot. And, uh, you know, I guess, uh, other than that, hope you guys are doing okay at home, uh, in the isolation, all that stuff. We're, we're going to be binging these out for you guys. Uh, to keep you entertained. So, uh, that being said, thanks for listening and may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. It's like-